the generic system can say that's on fire and it can even like put it on put, fire, put particles on there mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but it's still up to the game now to the rock, know. Now the rock's like, okay, I'm on fire. What is that? What is that? <laughs> or actually, the rock doesn't even know it's on fire. Yep, you yep. Know? Now something has to tell the rock it's on fire. It's like, hey, buddy, you're on fire. And it's like, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 218 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the caffeine withdrawal. I'm Sam, and I'm the artist. <laughs> and this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is August Whelm 2019. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears, so you know, just know, just know that. Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net who give us money. We grab it, we take it, and we put it in our microphones. Thank you very much. And we, also, and we'd love more of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, just keep uh, keep doing that or yeah, do more of it or great. other people do it. Just everybody do it. And, okay. and then leave a message for us so we can read it on the podcast. I'm also on the caffeine withdrawal yeah. train. It's uh, not it's not good. I, uh, I was talking to, to Sampy this weekend and I was like, we if we didn't, if we didn't buy coffee, you know, for like Monday through Friday and just had coffee at the office, we'd save like $800 a year. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I was like, this is crazy. And then this morning I'm thinking, maybe it's worth it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make myself a cup this morning and uh, I'm still waiting for my mind to cool down and I haven't had any Tell yet. Me, man, you got you to gotta do my shot of espresso downstairs in the morning technique. But it's just like boiling lava you throw, hot. You throw some milk in there immediately and just chuck, just whip it down your gullet. Just, you know? just take a shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my problem is actually a little tea. bit. Mine's a little bit different, which is that I'm I'm weaned off of caffeine mostly now, but I still drink a lot of decaf. Mm. And I drink just enough decaf that I still need to get a fix, mm. like a decaf fix every day. Otherwise, I start getting a headache. And then on weekends, sometimes I make the mistake is a wrong word because it's very intentional. But I go out <laughs> and I have like real coffee somewhere. Sometimes you, know? you just seek oblivion. Sometimes, you know? like, yeah, sometimes <laughs> you just need it. So, and I always know it's going to end poorly. So, like, so this weekend on Saturday, my wife and I went to our favorite coffee shop that's just fucking good. And they have this really – It's called Sump it's called for those Sump. people who are coming to St. Louis for the shenanigans. Oh, it's so good and so, good. so expensive. Yes. <laughs> but they have this – they have this, uh, this they have their summer menu which has, has – uh, I don't know what's the right word. It's not tonic because it's like it's a – it's basically soda. They're weird drinks. Point. But they make weird drinks. Yeah. They basically take some sort of delicious uh, sugary tonic substance and then they just put coffee in there. And fuck, Ooh. that shit is good. It is <laughs> so good. And so I'd, I'd had that I'd had it there before uh, last summer a, a few times. What was it this time? Did you say you had a lemonade one or something? Was, yeah, it was, it was a lemon and with, with nitro cold brew coffee. And then my wife had uh, – what was it? It was like – it was an elderflower one with, uh, with espresso. And – Sounds I mean, they magical. were just, they were just so good. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I remembered having those a while ago and I was like, I want one of those this afternoon. How'd they go for you? you so old? it was fucking great. It was so good. And I was really wired afterwards <laughs> and it was, you know, it was like 2 PM. So I thought maybe I could get away with it. Uh, and, and I really did on Saturday. Saturday was fine. But then Sunday I woke up and I was like, I need a fix. Do it again. You're feeling you're back in it. Yeah. yeah. It, just, it, it only <laughs> takes one and then you're back in it. And, uh, and so I had, I had a few sips of some real coffee over, over lunch. Yeah. And that was enough. I'm now like now this morning. I'm just all headachey. Yeah, it just doesn't. You're back in it. And I well, knew it was going to happen. I did it fully consciously aware that it was, I was going to have a rough. That's Monday how we Tuesday. always do it. Yep. Yeah. But you know, you're going to need it because we are in the middle of October right now. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> fast 
podcast listeners from, you know, a couple of years will know that for some reason October has always just been – it's like this gravity well of a month where just everything happens. But weirdly enough, this year, October is happening in August. So the thing us. about October is it's – Thanksgiving is not then. Correct. It's sort of like on the – it's after the tail end of summer. There haven't mm. been any big holidays, you know, in, in a while. But the big um, holidays are coming up. The big holidays are coming up. And so are the big sales events. Big sales events. And so what tends to happen over the course of the year is anytime something needs to happen, we always just kind of throw it into October. Because yep. we're like, well, you know, just like the end going, of the year, whatever. Nothing going on in but October. It can't be in November and it can't be in December. Because there's too much going yeah, on. There's too much. So the latest on. things can happen is October. So it's kind of like the procrastination black hole. It's actually a lot the, like it's, true, it's yeah. a lot like that episode of uh, Parks and Rec where she keeps putting things on the calendar for like May – 30 or May 31st, yeah. 30, something, a real date that she thought wasn't a real date because she yeah. thought whatever month it was didn't have 31 days. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. so, so then that day actually comes across. They have and like then there's, like, yeah, there's like 300 meetings that have to happen. <laughs> that's basically how we treat October. Yeah. Yes. We kind of pretend like it doesn't exist until and all of suddenly a it, does. it does. But this year, October's come early. It's already happened. October right now. come early. It's My worry spooky. actually is that I think it's going to happen again in October. Probably, which is good. I mean, so all this is actually good, which is that there's so much – we're doing a bunch of business deals and a bunch of other interesting things that are, that are kind of happening behind the scenes that, of course, we can't make public for a while. Actually, we get to talk about one of them. We can. Xbox. We're coming to Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> we still don't know in what form yet. No, but, but we, we will be on when, Xbox when we launch probably. Probably Maybe even launch. earlier. Who knows? We don't I don't know. know. We're figuring it out. Yeah, I don't know. But we, uh, we actually got announced by Microsoft on Tuesday, so it would have been yesterday podcast time. And At least that is supposed to be what has happened. Technically, we haven't signed our agreement with them yet. That's true. So mm-hmm. we're, hopefully we're, that happens hopefully too. Hopefully that happens. Otherwise, <laughs> we don't get to say anything. We'll get it all done. And yeah. it's very exciting because we're also in their pre-PAX showcase. And the reason that's super exciting is essentially what that means is we get to – we'll go to PAX a little early. We go actually to the Microsoft Studios. It's kind of like what we did at Nintendo uh, yeah, last, last year actually. Yeah, last year. So we'll go hang out at the Microsoft space, whatever that looks like. With a bunch of other indie devs, and it's actually like a whole day. It's actually like a mini convention. So, mm-hmm. whereas the Nintendo Nintendo one was actually like a, it was a pretty brief, like a two hour thing with the press, and then that was kind of it. We the full event was still probably like six hours. Or something yeah, like. but this one's actually like we set up at eight in the morning, and I think we're gonna be there until like until nine, nine or ten. Yeah, it's a it's a long day. It's gonna be a long day, and so it's it's both press and then some other really fun stuff. And so uh, we're really excited about that. And there's some other. Some other interesting things that I can't mention yet, but that are also happening around that time. Um, and then there's other things that are, we have in the works. So yeah, hopefully kinda, October's busy too, because this has all been very good. Yeah. And we're kind of at this point where now as we're planning out our work for the week, we each have under 20 hours of work per week that we can actually put into working on Levelhead because yeah. of all this other administrative stuff that's happening. Yeah. So that's kind of a bummer, but it's also kind of exciting because you know these things are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, and it's it's something that we always have to re- you have to remember as a as an indie team, if you are one, listeners out there, mm-hmm. that business is part of the business. You know, like yep. we, we we all want to just think that we can <laughs> just keep making the game. That, yeah, that the ideal future is the one where we spend you know all all of our hours just making making the product, but. But realistically, that's not what happens. And in fact, that should be a minority of your time spend mm-hmm. uh, as long as the rest of it isn't in, on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. The rest of it should be on business wheelings and dealings. Yep. So we're wheeling and dealing. Yes. Uh, and then Sam, you had something to say about drunk history, I think. Yeah. So I, I stumbled – well, that's funny. I, uh, <laughs> I stumbled into drunk history this this weekend, which I've, I think I've heard of. I maybe have seen one of a long time ago. Didn't it start as a YouTube series or something? It or? was – yeah. It was made by one of the funnier die people. Okay. Like yeah. back – 
I think in 2011 or something like, like a long time ago. And, um, and it's grown into an actual show on Comedy Central. And basically what they do is they'll, they'll get a storyteller of some sort. Uh, so like one of my favorite ones was Tiffany Haddish was on there. Oh, nice. And so they go over the story, you know, the actual details of, of this historical event with this performer basically. And, and then they get time, them right before they're drunk. Oh yeah. So they get, so they're like, they know it, they know yeah. the deets, everything. And then, yeah, they get them just drunk, like heavily drunk and then ask them to tell the story. And the best part is, so people of course are speaking however they speak. And so plenty of slang, plenty of like just weird metaphors and stuff as someone's trying to sort of on the fly, explain the story while being very drunk. And then on top of that, they cut to these reenactments of it using actual actors. So the my favorite one actually was the most recent one, which is Cleopatra, which had Aubrey Plaza in it, the mm-hmm. girl from Parks and Rec. And it she is was Cleopatra. She was Cleopatra, right. and it was hysterical because they they lip sync with the person who's talking, who's drunk. Yeah. So, so, so it's as if every every person in the story is also drunk. Yes, their dialogue. <laughs> yeah, their dialogue is the dialogue of the person, and it's just absolutely hysterical. Is it like the uh, the, the Ant Man gig? Or yes. Joker? Yeah. 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 When the guy's retelling the story, and and Ant Man, yes. and everybody's speaking exactly. Oh yeah. Because that is. Yeah. I just love that <laughs> yeah. moment so much. It's, it's, busy. it's just that. But it, that's what the whole series is. Nice. And, of course, the people are, are drunk and hilarious. And so there's just like a bunch of that going on. Um, and then the actors are really good who are doing lip syncing. And so they'll sort of like if the if the drunk person telling the story starts giggling or something, then, of course, like they'll they start just giggling. giggling. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just hilarious. Or if they get confused, then the actors, you know, the, <laughs> just the whole thing is very, very funny. So – um, I was just thinking about it as like what a weird twist on just historical retelling, uh, but also just what a good way to intro uh-huh. people to it. To teach like, people stuff about Yeah, th- th- I read the Wikipedia article about it and basically like, it's actually – it is extremely accurate. Like it's historically completely accurate. They yeah, said they the, bring in historians and everything. Yeah, they said the dialogue is not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I, I remember I, a scene when uh, – I think it was like Jack Black and Michael Sarah were playing like Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr mm. and they were dueling or whatever. And but but to issue the challenge, the the drunk person who was telling the story was like, so then you know Hamilton called Aaron Burr, and so then Jack Black just like gets out a cell phone, <laughs> he's just calling him, and he's like, we need to duel. <laughs> so yeah, obviously not accurate in that sense. Some yeah, anachronisms, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it is hysterical. So I'd highly recommend people check it out if you want a good laugh, especially the clean and to one. learn something and yes. to learn something. Yeah, I I will remember each one of these stories because they're so comically done that they just kind of stick in your brain which is cool and you also played volleyball so you had a, did had a good a ranger weekend. of a weekend well so the the story i want to tell from volleyball was we we were playing just pickups so just show up on sundays and just like there's a big random group of people right and so we're playing and everyone's doing that thing where you kind of when you eat. say random do you mean like are these a completely random group or are these people who knew that they were supposed to be playing volleyball? They knew they were playing okay. – yeah. Everyone, they came there to play, but you don't know who's kind of the, okay. how the mix is going to go. They're just like, how did I get here? Yeah. Okay. And so good. people are always doing – like people are sort of figuring out how to communicate on the court and all this other stuff, right? And so this hysterical incident occurred when a woman who's in like the front, like we're up to the net. She The ball is coming down and she's like, I got it. And she sort of gets ready, perfect position to do this bump thing. Ball's coming down. It's about to just like bump off her arms. And this dude from the opposite, like diagonal side of their court comes sprinting on, across on her, team. on her team, comes sprinting across. And all of a sudden he just goes, mine, 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 mine. And he dives to get it for some reason. Uh, but he he's a little early. 
And so the ball goes past him, bounces off her hands, and then just hits him right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and it made this like super satisfying yeah, whack he, noise. He definitely earned that. It was this is like the volleyball version of mansplaining. Yeah, I think. <laughs> it was so funny, and everybody just lost it. And so for the next like couple of services, everyone was just kind of giggling. And so, and you know how it like makes you weak when you're laughing really hard. Uh-huh. So it was just like everyone was just kind of like flop. It was, it was hysterical. <laughs> How did he feel about it? He was, he was just, not. I mean, he was embarrassed, but he was laughing really hard. They were all like friends on that side, so it was fine. But should let her have it. Very had funny. It. Dude, get out of the way. <laughs> mine, 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 mine. Oh, man. Well, so I, <laughs> so this weekend, uh, I went on a distraction detox, mm. which was pretty nice. nice. So starting uh, breakfast Friday morning, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to just, I'm just not going to watch or read anything on the internet. So I'm going to be like getting off of YouTube. Twitter. There's like, been some pretty horrifying Twitter, stuff on but, there lately. So yeah, it's, it's it's something I needed. Yeah. Um. But Reddit, Netflix, whatever it is, there's even a point where where Sam was like, "Oh, check out this trailer for this thing." I was like, "Nope, not watching <laughs> stuff." Um. And so so instead, I ended up looking for things to do. You know, mm-hmm. as you do, and I caught up on all kinds of games that I've been wanting to play. I played Super Hot this week. I never played Super Hot. It's been in my Steam library for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not even sure if I have it in my. You probably library. do. I, might. I got it on accident as part of a bundle of stuff. <laughs> it's probably uh, in there. And I, I remember uh-huh. buying, I remember that was like a big decision point for me when I was buying the bundle. I was like, oh, super, super hot in here. <laughs> and then I never, you know, played it. How was uh, it? It was kind of weird. I felt like they had this, they had this awesome game concept of like, you know, you're, you, time moves when you move. And it's got a really interesting aesthetic, which is there's these red people mm-hmm. and you just fight them, right? Mm hmm. But they they tried to like wrap it in a story where oh. it's like you are you're on the computer in in the game and like somebody sends you this game called Superhot.exe and it's like a cracked version that they got from the mainframe of some company or mm. something. Um, and so then like as you're playing the game, uh, then the company is trying to like keep you from playing it, and so you keep getting kicked out of the game. And there's weird stuff happening, but it felt like they just needed a way to Move give you, you a, between levels. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they just need to give you a reason, like why am I shooting a bunch of red people? Right. Um, so <laughs> that's one way to do it. You know, it worked. It worked out pretty good. <laughs> um, so I played that. I poked around in Albion online a little bit. I played some Ark. Mm-hmm. I I and like these are games that I've just had. You know, laying mm-hmm. around. I already had Ark. Uh, I, I I Ark was on sale. Ah. but then yeah, that's also uh, why I got it. Yeah, so it was a great weekend, and I I got to just sit around and think for a while. Nice. Which is How was your arc experience? Arc was good. I played it solo because I was like, I'm going to get yeah. ready to play with the group. So I didn't get super far. I did piss off a Triceratops, and it rampaged. It just utterly destroyed my entire yep. thatched cube. That is I what guess they do. <laughs> yeah. my entire thatched cube. Yeah, it was just a it was just a thatched sort of room <laughs> on stilts, you know. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of interesting experiences. Did you accidentally piss it off or did you do it on purpose? I punched it. Okay. Just wanted to test. I wanted, (laughs) I I accidentally pissed it off in the sense that I purposely punched it, but I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. So that was one of how I died was by punching things just to see. But when when we we got rampagers because my wife picked up a triceratops egg off the beach and it it wasn't even, it wasn't even, uh, fertile. So like it couldn't have hatched. It was just, there was just an egg sitting there. No triceratops in sight. And he's like, oh, this is cool. So she picks it up. <laughs> moments later. It's like an Indiana Jones yeah, thing. Moments later, there's a fucking dress here. I'm just rampaging through. Jenny's running away, trying to, you know, trying to, trying to survive. 
kills the crap out of her and then just starts destroying the base and just nice. destroys all of it. I and also then, like yeah. that the way that you cook meat is you just put it in fire and then leave. Yeah. You just like the fire is like an inventory. It's like a chest. So you open up the fire and it has like yeah, a slot. Yeah, put, oh, you put wood in there and then you put meat. You, in yeah, there has to be wood in there so it can burn or something that it that can burn. And then you just put meat in a slot and then like later you come back and now there's like cooked meat in a slot. Which is you know or spoiled meat if you wait too long. Spoiled meat, yeah. Mm. Um yeah, but I, th- I think what was fun about it was I didn't I purposely didn't read anything or, or mm-hmm. look up anything. I was like, I'm just gonna Go in there and just yeah, try that some fresh stuff. experience. Yeah, um, and it was it was uh, pretty traumatizing, but you know, <laughs> I learned a lot and I felt pretty good about my progress. Yeah, I gotta get in there sometimes. Yeah, so. I I did set up a server for us to use on a, on AWS. I'm ready. So nice. Was, Pick a time. I don't know how many players there. it'll support, but I, I from all the reading I did, I was like, I need to support four people, and I'm pretty sure it'll do that. Okay, we'll perfect. All right, let's talk about some studio news. We already talked about Xbox. Woo! That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really have any concrete information, but just know that that's going to happen. And Switch is still part of the plan as well. Yep. So uh, basically, if you've got a screen with some kind of gadgets hooked up to it, then you're good. Um, I've been streaming still. Did it again this weekend. Worked great. Added some kind of like charge attack spin move thing to the cool. character. Still no point to the game, uh, but you can now charge attack through tongue flowers. So perfect. You know, that's, that's all I've ever wanted. And that's going to be that one's going to be up on YouTube pretty soon on our YouTube channel. Uh, Shenanicon. Yeah. It's coming, it's coming up. September 28th, 1 to 5 p.m. in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Tickets are 25 bucks, and they are actually flying off the shelves. We sold a bunch of them, about 10% of them last week, um, which is very exciting. So uh, we're going to start doing the local press push for it. And so this is a good time for if you've been listening to podcasts and sort of on the fence about it, uh, definitely get a ticket sooner rather than later. Because uh, the intent is to fill the whole thing up this year, so uh, we, big, like, we like to hold off on the local push because local people you, can they can just can come. come. They yeah. can They'll just, just buy a ticket at the last minute. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we like to hold off on that to give everybody else a chance to to get tickets. But it's it's time. It is time. So uh, the super exciting thing about Shanicon is it's it's it is definitely one of our favorite events of the year because it's not very often as a game dev that you actually get to meet the people who play your games let alone get to just kind of hang out with them for a couple hours. And so we'll be doing a live podcast episode. We'll be doing a blind relay event with Level Head to actually have some fun competition going on. And then otherwise we'll have some some merch for the first time, which uh, is some Level Head tees and that sort of thing. So it'll be a really good time. And if you're in the area or nearby, uh, definitely check it out to see if it's the sort of thing you could swing for the weekend. Do we know which Level Head t-shirt we have? Or are we going to keep it? I don't know. Keep it wraps? It's not, but I'm not sure which one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we also uh, and to to get tickets, go to meet.bscotch.net. Thank you. Yes. Oh yeah, is, do that. <laughs> which is also where you'll see the dates, which I believe are September twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. Yeah. 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 Okay. The date. The date. It's just one day. <laughs> but I mean, it's a date on a weekend, you know. So you can come. You can, come to mm-hmm. St. Louis for the whole weekend. You can get some fucking delicious ice cream. You can go There's to tons sun, of good. Food. Get a weird caffeinated beverage get hyped and it's uh, in September, which means it's just your last minute to get a breather before October hits. Yeah. Yep. So that's just true. prepare yourself. It'll be a, a little getaway before you get crushed by the, the worst month of the year. Uh, and then we also prepared GDC talks. Yeah. Well, so mostly prepared. Mostly I, prepared. Still, I still have one I have to prepare. So yes. I think this is something we've, we've talked about a bit before, but our strategy for GDC, because we don't know what matters, what people are looking for, whatever else, is instead of – generally, instead of just submitting a talk, we do a shotgun approach. So we say, what what sort of knowledge have we gotten over the last – year or two that seems like it might be of value to the broader indie community. 
uh, we sort of craft that into somewhere between one and three talks each and then sit down and bang out all the proposals for those usually on like a Sunday afternoon. So we actually did this uh, yesterday at Adam's place and sure actually joined as well. And so he's submitting a talk on DevOps for indies, which would be mm-hmm. super cool. Yep. And we're going to see if we can get any one of those in there. Well, we usually were laughing we, because most of our talks ended up having some aspect of DevOps in them anyways. Turns out it's a big deal. Yeah. There are a few yeah. themes that just kind of carry through yeah. really all of our stuff. Yeah. yeah. So do you guys want to talk about any one of your talks? Well, I think first we should say, why are we even doing it? Because last year we didn't submit anything. Yes. Yeah, so the year before we gave Seth gave one. No, Sam I gave, gave one. Sam gave two. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, conveniently, it kind of, uh, kind of dovetails into my talk. Okay. Cool. Proposal, then which I'll, is yeah. which is about how to manufacture luck as an independent developer. And the idea is that uh, your network, your basically the people you know and the people who know of you, are the things that can make you quote unquote lucky. Because luck has to do with things happening to you that you were not able to make happen yourself, right? That's sort of the idea. Yep. And we're sometimes not sometimes bad, sometimes good. Sometimes bad, sometimes good. But the reality is, like, we're not dealing with uh, sort of natural forces. Like, we're not firefighters. We're not out there like hoping a tree falls in a particular direction, sort of thing. Uh, all of our things have to do with people, and whether or not they know that we exist, whether or not they can give us opportunities that they think of that sort of thing. And so, a big part of the of the general sense I get from indies as a whole, as like a sort of broad brush here, is that people don't spend enough time with con- conceiving of and working on their network in a way that actually increases the total amount of luck that they have available, which basically just means that people know about them, they can help them out if they have an idea for something to do. And so a big part of why we've been, you know, we're coming back onto the scene in terms of GDC is is for this reason. So giving talks is a really good way uh, to essentially you you give away you do some preparation time and you give away some expertise and in exchange you get to be sort of a, a bright light in a room for a short period of time and then people will come up and chat with you afterward uh, and if the talk goes really well it might be put on YouTube get a couple thousand views that sort of thing and so it ends up being this 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 uh, like kind of easy function by which you trade some time and expertise for a good amount of what I would call luck in a broader long term sense. So you, you then, yeah, you then occupy a place in people's sort of mental map of their social network, yeah. even if they don't talk to you at all. Correct. There's now this like there's this person with a bunch of tags associated with them, like this person knows about this, this, and this, and mm-hmm. they you know talked about whatever. So that now at some other moment in time, they go talk to somebody else, and they're like digging through their mental their mental tag map. Yeah, and, and we've like, had we've had just too many of these occurrences where some things that were really important for the studio as a whole completely came down to someone randomly just being like, hey. Mm-hmm. You guys want to do this, or hey, you guys should do this. Go try this out. Uh, most recent example: we're we're going to be in the uh, Indieland charity event actually coming up this Friday. I think it's on Saturday actually. And the reason why that happened is we you know we put together the Shenanigans Jam, and then we had a local St. Louis event. And uh, one of the other developers there, Tim Healy, came up and was like, "Hey, I'm doing this Indieland thing. You guys should probably submit Levelhead to it." And I was like, "What is this? I've never even heard of this." And he sends me the PDFs and stuff, and then I submitted our game, and now we're in it. So I don't, we don't know what's going to happen because of that. But the whole point is like we never would have had even that single little tiny opportunity without having just gone not out have known. There. You would not have known. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of the pitch there. And, and that's also the point of us doing GDC talks, period, which is to have a broader access to a, a broader network and hopefully increase our sort of luck quotient over the next couple of years. Yes. And increase other people's luck quotient. Yep. Because it's, the fun it's all about being a matchmaker. The idea yeah. is luck is when, when things happen to you outside of your control – and by knowing more people, you just – more things happen. Correct. 
Yep. That's, that's it. it. It's that's the same it. way that knowing more idea. things makes it easier to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. What's your pitch, Adam? What do you got? Uh, so I got two. You give um, us one. What's your best so, one? So one of the early, the one that I've actually worked on is, uh, is about, uh, I, I'm learning how to take things with a more positive sort of, you know, angle than normal. <laughs> but for the, for the context of the podcast, I'm going to be more, more forthright about mm-hmm. it, but it's about the lie of independence. We're just saying, you know, we call ourselves indie game developers and we're part of the indie game community and there's a whole, you know, the indie games festival is a whole portion of GDC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there's this whole community of independent game developers. Um, and, and, and of course there've been discussions the entire time about what does it even mean to be an independent mm-hmm. game developer? Uh, but outside of just the question of what is it, there's also this idea that there's, that there's enormous value in that by itself. And we also have, you know, have, hold that belief. Yeah. Um, and, and now all of a sudden, you know, facing the reality of what the, the games industry looks like, which we talked about the podcast, uh, we find ourselves having to make decisions about how much of our independence do we give up, uh, in exchange for and how much did we ever really, and how much have. did we even have? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause our, our original long-term goal as a studio was to develop so much independence that we could basically, in the absence of all the storefronts and the absence of all of the giants around us, that we could make a game, we could sell it directly to a customer base and that we could make a living doing that. That was the end goal of our studio. That's why Beastcatch ID existed, and that's why Rumpus exists. Uh, that's that's been the that's that's a big reason about why all of our games occupy the same universe because we were trying to get people to rally behind our studio instead of behind specific games because the studio can keep on living, but individual games, you know, have yeah, a lifespan. Life cycle, yeah. And so, so we had this whole strategy, and we're kind of at this. We got to the point of it where we now had enough information and enough resources and enough everything that we could evaluate like kind of how that was going and the evaluation was uh was not great I guess was <laughs> yeah. sort of the conclusion medium yeah yeah it's very medium and and so so we realized that just how far away we are from anything like true independence um and how unrealistic that is except in the rarest rarest of cases which are mostly down to luck yeah um and and time like it's a thing that's still given enough given enough years of enough reasonable success like that is a thing that we could end up potentially having uh but realistically that's not happening now it's not happening in five years it's yeah not- and weirdly enough the the road to independence is likely paved without independence yeah because you actually you have to give up some stuff first right yeah. so so basically we, we've had that realization recently and, and that's been opening doors for us because now we can do some business deals we always would have said no to uh and, and so that has just brought up this question of what does it really mean to have it because independence is an asset it's an asset you own, right? And and the question is, what are the what are the components that make it up? What what can you carve out and ship off and sell to somebody? And what are the costs and benefits of doing so um, in the long term and in the short term? Because we we still have this discussion very deeply every time, which is if we if we make this deal as written, uh, what what are we giving up? Like and and what are they going to be the impacts of that? And so the the talk that I'm putting together is all about that. It's about our it's about our journey coming to realize that we can't yeah. that we can't really be an independent studio. Uh, and that, frankly, nobody can unless they're super privileged or super lucky. Well, I think the both. only independent studio that you could sort of say is is uh, the most independent would be somebody that controls the entire chain. Yeah. So like yeah. a Nintendo. Yep. Yep. Right. Nintendo, I think, is the only indie studio. Except they have That's hilarious. millions of shareholders. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so, so we, they're not we really great because they're, right. they're So we use it in a different company. definition too, which right, which is a lot of the, the idea with in the indie movement is generally about being able to decide what you're working on. Yeah. Mainly is actually the fundamental piece. Yeah. Um, 
everything else. Well, it's, is it's, actually, what, it's decide what you're working on, decide when it gets published, decide not only what you're working on, but it, the exact specifications of it and so on. And even that stuff we're actually walking back on. That's what I'm saying. I think, I think the only core idea with being quote unquote independent mm-hmm. is just that you you are, you are in charge of whatever the vision is and, and of the, of the product. Right. Yeah. Um, but once you get out of that, you get on the spectrum, right. Which yeah. is all the way to something like Nintendo where, yeah, they control this whole vertical chain all the way down yeah. to the, to the console level, to the hardware itself. And so they, they are actually way more independent quote unquote than yeah. indies. Which is a weird thing to think about. Right. Yeah. So because they get they get to decide everything actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so so I think it's it's an interesting because then there's these interesting questions of what of the role of privilege in this and mm-hmm. like and who gets to actually be independent or at least yeah. try to be right. Uh, so it's an interesting conversation to have there, and then that we have just our own journey of like coming to an understanding of it, which is how I'm going to tell the story, um, and then kind of culminating in this in this question of okay, so now let's say you're on board and you're like okay, I get it, I can't do this by myself, I'm going to have to give up something. And another question is, how do you evaluate the stuff that you're right. that you're that you're being asked to give up? How do you evaluate that stuff, and how do you understand the consequences of giving mm. it up? So that's what my talk's going to be. Cool. We'll see Seth. if they take it. Yeah, they won't. <laughs> even Adam, I framed it really nicely this time. And I actually, even I look back at my last one because remember because we were joking about this because the one I had submitted that I really wanted to give two years ago mm-hmm. uh, was originally titled um, "Everyone Is Wrong All of the Time." Yes. Uh, but when we were going back and looking at our old submissions for things, that wasn't the title at all. The one that we submitted was not that. It was it was much more friendly. It was something about like navigating uncertainty or you know whatever. It was like that kind of a thing. And uh, yeah, my like, Adam, the talks that Adam submits are always the ones that I'm the most interested in hearing. Yep, same here. <laughs> and uh, the GDC committee is like, no, nah. no. Nah. No, nah, this sounds this sounds useful. I don't think. Well, my other my other one is going to be. I won't go into details because I don't know them yet. But my other one is going to be again on uncertainty. Yeah, I, I want to give I want to give that talk, and I want to I want to explore that. We got a lot of weird stuff but to I, talk about. That's yeah, I, I think yeah. The, the tricky part is kind of like folding it back into games specifically. Yeah. Because, um, of course, it is just a universally applicable thing, which is like, yep. how do you know things? Yeah, I'm going to make it be about the uncertainty of launching games is yeah. like the core of it. Yeah. But then I'm going to get into the fucking philosophy of it yeah. where we're talking about what the fuck is knowledge? Good what deep, does it mean? Man. It's Whoa. nothing. There is no There spoon. is no. Yes. Seth, what's your talk? Uh, the, so, your highlight. So I'm gonna, I do have one talk that I want to give about forgiveness mechanics, which uh, is just like – Designing your game in such a way that the player wins more and feels like a badass, even though they're lying. To even themselves. though, <laughs> even though they actually hit the button at the wrong time, but you're like, it's okay. I'll just, uh, I'll just let that. I'll let that one <laughs> slide. slide. Um, and then the the big one that I think will probably get them get more traction is uh, it's about stress free early access, mm-hmm. which is this this issue of uh, when you're developing your game in early access, you've got essentially a, what could be described as an unstable product. Yes, <laughs> um, you are you are ripping things out, putting things in. You're taking player feedback. You are patching. You're doing community management, um, and you have to do all of this in a consistent way, such that because it's a very public thing that you're doing. You know, so you have to be very consistent about it, and you also have to be you know marketing the game at the same time. And there's just a whole bunch of factors that come into it, which is a little bit different than it. Let's say, let's say you develop your game just full stop and then you launch the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You're going to be putting out some hotfix patches and stuff like that, but, but you may next be working on like a big expansion pack or something that's not coming out for quite a long time. And it's just not quite the same as balancing this idea of like constant public facing development of the game with, with very routine deployments. Um, and so, what we found, though, is that because of all the DevOps stuff that we've been doing, that it's just been great. 
Yeah, like, it's it. been yeah. super fun and interesting. Yeah. And uh, when we talk to a lot, it's of, actually been an important part of our development process now. Yeah, and and the feedback we've gotten from players has been invaluable, and I think the game is so much better now yeah. than it could have been if we had uh, if we had just been sort of in our cave the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. After talking to lots of other developers about their approaches, I think we have spoken with developers who have done you know weekly or biweekly patch schedules, um, but. Whenever we dig for more information, like, well, what was your strategy? And it's always just like not sixteen hour days, (laughs) not sleeping, not having a life, not doing anything other than just working, 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 and just kind of being completely beholden to Mm -hmm. this game. Um, And in our case, you know, we are putting in healthy amount of hours, and we're getting healthy amount of off time. And like Sam was able to go on a week long vacation, and that was fine. And we've we've um, just been having kind of a good time, to be honest. mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? and uh, and we've still managed to put out uh, now eleven major, <laughs> major patches, patches yeah. uh, that have really sort of earth shattering changes to the mm-hmm. game, and we've got another one coming this week. Um, although I think this week we we may go two days late. Yeah, we're on Friday. This yeah, week. yeah. So we, and we announced that in last week's yep. podcast. Yeah, also. and so we're we're just doing that because th- there's some really seismic shifts in the game's mm-hmm. data structures, and we want to make sure that we that they work. Yeah, yeah we get it really <laughs> tested. Um, so yeah, and, and I think because of the unhealthy lifestyle that a lot of game developers have mm-hmm. in relation to their work, I think talking about refining all of your processes with the goal being to make it low stress on you yeah. is kind of a good thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so oh, I don't know. Hopefully we'll get some of those we'll in. That. I think we probably, if we get multiple selected on for any one of us, then that person will probably just do one. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I'm only submitting one this year. So, yeah. well, you also like, have yeah. the you have the highest likelihood of getting in because you've already given three talks there. So they're gonna yeah. one they, year they you used did legacy. One, one year you did two, which yeah. was a uh, nightmare. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, all of my talks have been top rated, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It, well, it kind of like ruins the week. It's a lot. It's a yeah. It it does. Well, I mean, I think it's the interesting thing is it's it's what's the week is for. Truthfully, like again, it's one of those things where it, it puts you in front of people and it lets you easily source interesting people to talk to. Along a particular dimension, yeah. um, I don't know. Part of the bummer stressful. of recent ones, though, is that ours have always tended to be at the end of the week. They've not been in the indie track, yeah. So we've not so gotten to talk like on to Thursday, people. yeah. And so th- on Thursday, like people are winding down, yeah. Everyone's already booked up. Like people got plans. So well, and the indies aren't there anymore. Indies, the indies aren't are there. just in the indie summit. Yep. And uh, the indies are most of the people who we want the, to talk to specifically, yeah. too. Yeah. 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 So, okay, well, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest voted question comes from Zivix. I've been listening to a lot of the old podcast episodes, and in one of them, you disclosed some install numbers and discussed piracy of Crashlands. I believe I recall 800,000 Google Play installs in the first one to two months, with 90% of those being pirates. What do these numbers look like on the various platforms three years later? Oh, 800,000 was the number there. So I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but I can tell you it's a lot. Ballpark, which is the last time, the last time I carefully looked, uh, our piracy rate on Android was still like 97 ish percent, mm-hmm. something like that, uh, with I believe it was like 10 or 12 million total installs. That was like a year crash and a half or two ago. Yeah. We haven't looked at it in a long <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, but, yeah it, we, but that was but that was yeah, that was peak crash time though because I, I still I've I've seen those numbers recently. I just didn't like. Yeah, I think it was around the time that we had three or four hundred thousand units sold. Then we yeah. had twelve million. Makes you wonder if we should make a free to play game, huh? Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was our uh, quadrupus rampage. Was our like? Well, I guess 
our, I guess our game is free anyway, yep. so we maybe yep. we should just, just free. Just take that angle. Yep. Yep. Although, and I should also say though that there was a period of time where we stopped actually checking for piracy because yeah. when, when the install numbers were low enough that we we're just like, who cares? Uh, and the mechanism that we were using, uh, we didn't trust anymore. So then we just kind of stopped for like six months, I think. Put a new mechanism in after that, but that also means that we're you know deflating. Oh yeah, our uh, our estimates. It is a low estimate. Yeah. Yes. But not really low because like the most of it came from the first yeah. year. So we so, don't know. So high, I guess. We, is the uh, yeah, we, we kind of hit a, hit a point with, with Crashlands where, you know, we're bringing it to new platforms and stuff. But but the specifics of checking performance on individual platforms, uh, it's not really an action item mm-hmm. in the yeah. sense that like, oh, we had a it's slight. interesting. It's like, oh, we had a slight dip on uh, iOS this mm-hmm. week or something. It's like, well, now what? I don't know, just keep working on whatever yeah. we're doing. Well, as interesting, no, I mean, this is something that that a lot of indie devs do, which is they'll spend a lot of time obsessing over uh, even weekly changes, which is not necessarily something good to do because the no. reality is that there's there's a lot of interesting cycles going on in terms of how people spend money on games. And one of them is there is a weekly cycle. So I like I mean, the Steam as, mark, in, as in day of the week. Right? Yeah. And so like, you see sometimes on, on Wednesdays that devs will post something with like their Steam chart and they'll be like, oh. Man, my sales are really down today. And it's like, no, it's a Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesdays, Wednesdays are always yeah. the lowest day. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just fine. Like, you know, it's you fine. It's the same deal with newsletters. As we learned and we talked about the podcast before, mm-hmm. when we were looking at opening rates for our newsletter on Friday, they're just bottomed out, mm-hmm. which is a little bit surprising. But but they're they're getting lower and lower every day of the week. Um and Monday is it's literally like there's twice as many opens as there are. Monday, Monday is like the best Friday. day for email and the worst day for everything else. Yep. yep. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, I don't know. It's and of course, like, what can you do? You can like do a sale, but those are always on cooldowns. So yeah, so we just schedule our sales because you, it doesn't really make sense to do those as a response to how the market is working. Because in mm-hmm. fact, actually, the more players who are buying your stuff, the more likely it is that you actually should go on sale, right? Yeah, well, because the fewer that are, that means you're not getting any attention. Because the yeah. only value of the sale, as we found, is that is that it can trigger mechanisms that show your game to people. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting note is that it's not as, as a player, it's tempting to say like, Oh, this game's going on sale all the time. Um, you know, why is that? Or like, what's yep. the, the real value of it. But the funny thing is as a dev in a saturated market that is extremely competitive and so fucking noisy, the only tool we have is yeah. a Put- sale to gain any visibility, uh, aside from trying to figure out something to work with the platforms, which is always super hard to do. So it's one of those things that as soon as you know how this how the system actually works, then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's why games are always on sale on Steam. Because then Steam shows them to people. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise <laughs> they're not visible. Yeah. yeah. And and honestly, yeah, with Crash Lands, we actually waited uh how long do we wait to put on sale on we Steam? Six months six for months. some fucking reason. That was the or dumbest thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It uh, should have been like just two months into a twenty percent. Well, we we use the rationale uh that that other people had said, which is basically mm-hmm. like you, you're devaluing your game anytime you put it on sale. And so, and so within, and, and also that you can, you'll make your customer base angry if they just bought the game and then mm-hmm. it goes on sale for a steep discount or whatever. Right. Um, and I think there's a little bit of truth to that, but I think only if you're a triple A studio. Yeah. Probably. Cause I think, cause that's, that's when people get pissed cause they spent $60 on the game. Cause it costs and then, so much. Yeah. And then yeah. a month later it's 40 bucks or yeah. 30 bucks or whatever. Uh, like people hate that, right? Um, but when you're when you're talking in the indie space, there there's always going to be that guy who's just really really angry about it, yep. right? But outside of that, just always angry person, um, really nobody gives a shit, and mm-hmm. actually, most importantly, nobody notices. Well, that that's actually the, the important <laughs> yes. point is this idea this idea of your game being devalued 
due to sales. This is an idea that comes from uh, economics and from marketing. It comes from this idea that that uh, in a theory of an economic world where everyone has perfect information, yes, then people. And if you know a thing could be sold at a much lower price, then, then you will you wait, and now no one will ever buy it at the higher price because mm-hmm. they know. The truth is, nobody knows about your game. They don't know about it when it's on sale. They don't know about it when it's not on sale. Yeah. They don't I know mean, when it's going on sale just, next. Just think back. I know everybody <laughs> listening has a wish list on Steam yep. with 30 to a million games in it, right? Yeah. Now, not, just think, not anymore because of that big yeah, not, well, not new, right. <laughs> uh, I bet most people still have that, actually. Uh, okay, so now we also know that every once in a while you go into Steam, like one of the first things you're going to do is check your wish list, wish list, see what's on sale. Mm-hmm. We also know you're not going to buy almost anything that's on sale. Correct. Almost any time you do that. Now think back and try to remember any of those games. When was the last time they were on sale? How much of a sale was it? Yep. Have you been tracking it? Have you, have been, you been tracking it? it? No, yeah. you have not. No. The, <laughs> you don't give a shit. Yeah, the rough part of all this is it's it's a you have to hit that confluence of events where it's someone who's sort of got their interest peaked enough about your game mm-hmm. and have the price at the appropriate point. And the interesting thing with the sale and, is the sale can, and they're willing to buy it in that moment. Yes. In that moment. Yeah. Because the sale and that's can, the lo- lowest likelihood of all. Like the sale yeah. price, all the other stuff matters way less than the person mm-hmm. just being ready to pull the trigger yeah. on that thing. And the sale can trigger that is essentially the interesting part of it, right? Well, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't trigger that. It triggers them having to decide. Yes. It triggers the decision point. So uh, sales are just like – they're just a fun psychological tool. Yeah. The way that we think of it is it's basically a notification, which just yeah. says, oh, yeah, remember this exists. And then now it's, it's, a, it's a notification so that you get to decide again, do I want this? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we also know from our, and again, like everybody listening, you have your own experience with your wish list. Like most of the stuff that you buy, either you buy immediately because it just yep. looks fucking awesome and you're so pumped about it, or because you've been waiting for it, right? Uh, or most of the stuff, like most of the stuff that I buy, has it's been on my wish years. list for at least six months, <laughs> often for years, until yeah. someday I'm just in the right moment, I'm in the right mood, and it might not even be on sale at that moment. Correct. I'm just in the right mood. I'm like. I want to try this now. Mm-hmm. It's time. Or I'll see a video of it that reminded me of like how cool this thing was or right. whatever. Or yeah. even more likely, somebody who you know and trust tries more it. likely, it, yeah. Like, why yep. did I play Arc this weekend? Yep. Well, yep. yep. That's right. Why. Uh, all right. Next question comes from CDC Moly. Hello, Bees Gotch Bros. One of my favorite things about game dev is the very beginning where you're creating the idea for a new game. What is uh, your favorite part of game dev? Also, along that note, are you anticipating spending a lot of future time and energy on level head support and updates once it's fully released? Or are you excited to start a new project? Love your games and podcast and your general insight to life. Thanks. Mm. This is interesting because we, we were having this discussion yesterday, which I would actually summarize and, and maybe you guys would disagree, but what I would summarize in saying that we're not very excited about having to come up with the next game. Mm. But here's the reason, mm-hmm. which is that which is that we don't really know. So we've had this experience making these games that each time we're like, yes, you know, like this mm. is a good game. Great Got concept. It. We solved all these problems in some genre. Like it's really good. Uh, and then fuck, it's hard to sell that game. Yep. You know, it is so hard <laughs> to sell that game. Uh, and, and with, with level head, you know, which we, we chose this like market that there was a hole in it. And then all of a sudden, a year into development, that hole just got filled up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and so now here we are like trying uh, to figure out how to manage this because game development takes so long. Yep, you can't that, know. That, yeah, you can't know. So, so that once you tie the business side to the making of the game, honestly, it actually kind of – the beginning becomes really stressful now because yes. you make all these decisions about where do we think basically the industry is going to be in like two years? Because that's actually the question that we now need to try to get at before yeah. we make a game. What holes are here that, that can be filled and 
hopefully won't be filled by the time we get there. It's yeah. like how you see all of a sudden all these pirate games showed up last year. Yeah. yeah. That? There's like there's like six of them. This yep. is AAA. The, this is the simultaneous invention problem. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, there's no pirate games. Yeah. It would be awesome to be on a pirate ship with your so buddies. They all start at the same time. Three yeah. years later, a wave of pirate games. And now you, you get, have to pick. Then you get A Bug's Life and Ants coming out within months yeah. of each other. You what? get what is Armageddon and Deep Impact coming out within months of each yep. other. And then two volcano movies coming out within months of each other. Yeah, so I think it's it's, <laughs> it's a really the, – the beginning used to be, I think, the most fun part. Yeah. Because we were just like, whatever, man. the sky is the limit. It was but a it, jam. And right? this goes back to this whole independence thing too, right? Yep. Which is that we used to like firmly believe that if we just made something awesome, we could find a way. We would find mm-hmm. a way. We had, we had good business connections. We had good marketing. We had a good community. Like we would find a way to sell that thing. And, uh, and I think we just don't really – believe that no. anymore yeah, i mean w- with uh what we've seen with level heads so far is that is that we're gonna we're gonna need some champions yeah, yeah. to take this thing and put it in front of a shitload of people yeah. um because because it doesn't matter that it's really good it doesn't matter that everybody plays it fucking loves it and is playing the shit out of it. it doesn't matter that our community is awesome and doing great things and, mm-hmm. and being super nice to each other none of that matters because what matters is visibility what matters is visibility what matters is mm-hmm. somebody who has enormous reach being like hey Hey, look at Check this. That. Everybody go buy this. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, I think that's that actually has become a stressful point. So we've been we've been talking about like, oh, we're gonna make Crashlands 2, or we're gonna make a Quadrupus Rampage 2, just something else. Something else entirely. Like uh, Levelhead 2. Levelhead <laughs> 2. <laughs> I don't even know what that would be because yeah. you just work Well, I mean, my, my take on all this stuff is that this all just totally depends, right? Because like yeah. the question about whether we what we're gonna do with Levelhead post-launch depends is, on the launch. Depends on what the market is. Mm-hmm. does um if if, yeah, we if it's get a it, successful launch then yeah we're gonna keep working on yeah, it because we got our process down so so well yeah. that it's just gonna be fun. i would love nothing more than to just work on level head for six years yeah <laughs> right uh, because that means just sell dlc yeah, that like, means we know what's happening like we yeah. know what's coming we have a, a player base we have a business model that we know um, it all works yeah everything's working great uh if if things don't pan out at the level head launch then all of a sudden we're just right back in. Okay, well we can't put more time into even it. if we want to, even if we want to. And now we got to start over and roll the dice again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't know. We'll yeah. see. And then maybe in that context, instead of rolling the dice from the outset, we'll go talk to business partners first and be like, "Hey, yep what what can we do with you that will that will just like what was a relationship that we can have?" And in that context, now all of a sudden maybe terms will be dictated from the outside. Yeah. You know, so. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? I don't know. Next question comes from C price. <laughs> spaces or tabs? Spaces. Was this uh, a this is for, this is for programmer it, nerd this situation? Is for indent, your indent style and in programming. Tabs. Um, spaces. Make the spaces. case. So because with a modern IDE, you can hit the tab button and have it make spaces. So as in there's no functional difference now when you're typing. Tabs and spaces, they're equivalent. But now when you're going to look at it in different editors, you're going to get that bullshit where in some editor, it's like, I think a tab is four spaces wide. And so one's like, I think it's two spaces wide. Is there no standardized tab distance? Yeah, because tab is, tab just me, tab is a character, right? And then any, anything that displays it can decide how wide is that Uh, white space character, right? But there's no, there's not actually a standard for it. No. So really what you need is tabs and when there are standards, it's as, it's in terms of number of spaces. So then why the fuck not just use spaces? So then you have to slap the space button a bunch. No, you don't. You just hit tab because you use an IDE where it, when you hit tab, it makes two spaces or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you, so your answer is actually both. Is that correct? It's My use the tab button to create spaces. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Okay. 
That's smart. Because tabs are bullshit. Playing both sides. Tab, well, but <laughs> also because tabs – so tabs also require like you have to use regex to like do stuff with oh, them. So this know? is like the like, most fucking nuanced programmer <laughs> I've ever heard. This is a raging battle. You got to you gotta turn but, your but tab also, button into but also a double consider, space bar. Tab is a special character, right? You can't see it. You don't, you, when, you're, when you're highlighting a thing, you don't know if it's a tab or a space because it, it also can have variable width depending on where it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like – Everything about it sucks. If you want to search for a tab, man, I didn't know there a was lot of places, so much in here. If you hit tab like in a in a form, like a like a search form, right? The tab just takes you to the next button or yeah, some bullshit. So you can't even put a tab in there, and you have to use, now you have to use regex to mark out that you want a tab. Just don't, just don't do any of that. Mm. Okay, spaces, spaces right. is my answer. Uh, I have no opinion it. on this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. I think you should just go with whatever your team. I think. Using. Well, I think you use whatever Game Maker uses, right? Yeah. Does it just use tabs? Probably. You can tell it to interpret. Yeah, tabs but, but what does it use by default? Uh, I use tabs. Yeah, yeah, but I but also in in it was cursing. But also, no, this fine. Is, there are many more. So like, there are worse problems with Game Maker than tabs. In Game Maker, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna like take my GML and bring it into another IDE, yeah. which just is where it is. And yeah. also, I have these nice vertical lines that it draws for where the tabs align, so mm-hmm. I have very easily aligned code. So yeah, it works great for me. <laughs> you know, everybody got everybody should just do what they want. Well, that's the other thing is teach their own. But spaces, provided spaces it works are easier to work with. Yeah, doing. in the very general sense, spaces are easier to deal with. But but that isn't true if you're going to use something like regular old Windows Notepad because regular mm. old Windows Notepad can't even doesn't even know what a new line is. It doesn't know shit. It doesn't know shit. <laughs> so if you're going to use that, you actually might need to use tabs or else you'll end up in a very mm-hmm. bad place. I don't know. But you're already in a bad place at that point. If you're, if you're a notepad, you're in a bad place. You're already in a bad place. I've had some really weird situations, especially with like copying like Steam keys and moving Steam keys around. Yeah. If I grab them from Notion and then try to paste them somewhere, they come out as one big line. Yeah. So I have to grab them from Notion, paste them in a notepad in which they come out as a perfect column somehow. It's because of new lines. Copy that and then put that where I need to put it. Here's, here's the thing. What's that about? This and very very briefly, it's there are two way there are two characters because again this is all just characters right so there are two characters that say make a new line they're both so, invisible though they're yeah, both invisible okay. one is called uh, slash r which is a carriage return so that's these that's are a model, typewriter it's, it's a model typewriter, for a typewriter yeah. yeah so carriage return carriage return so slash r the other one is a slash n which means new line okay okay and everything except for Windows new line means a new line yes sort of like self descriptive like you know, kind of makes sense on Windows it does mean that. But you also have to have a carriage return next. So to you it. make a new line and do a carriage return, like you're on a fucking typewriter. You got, you got to do both. You got to do both now. So it's actually you have to use two characters, two characters huh. that both mean make a new line. You have to put both of them together in the correct order on Windows in order to make a new line. Mm. So when you're copying from like almost anything that makes sense and pasting it into a Windows application, there's going to be a new line. There's going to be a new line fuckery, basically. Mm. It's so, great. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best. We actually, we actually had some issues because also when you're checking out and committing things in Git, you can have Git fuck, oh, yeah, you, fuck with your right, line. You can tell Git to like by default, I want to check out with Windows style, uh, but check in right. Unix style. So or we whatever. actually had a scenario where uh, where Git deleted the buttons off of the level head main menu <laughs> because of <laughs> oh uh, yeah because of that. new line issues. Yeah. So this is you know there's a lot there's a lot of nuance that comes into these things, but you don't know, they don't matter until they matter. Yeah. Then they really matter. Yeah, and they're always. It's always some legacy thing, yeah, right? Because it doesn't like nothing has to be any certain way. Things just are the way they are uh, because of historical chance, um, right? So I guess maybe it was the case that when this new line carriage return thing happened, maybe it was the case that like when you made a new line, it just like moved the cursor straight down, probably, and then the carriage return would like put it back, put right. it back toward yeah. the beginning, you know? 
Because like, but it's, yeah, but it's weird to imagine a, a, a scenario in which where you, you would want to just, just go down yeah. and then just <laughs> keep typing weird. from there. Yeah. Anyway, it's very all strange. right. Next question comes from Coffee Chemist. Uh, in video games, especially smaller ones, the developers most likely have a specific passion that bleeds through, be it art, programming, or video games. I myself have a big thing for boss fights and boss design. Mm. What specific niches do you guys have, and is there some section to your game that you feel exemplifies it? I think, uh, well, I, th- I think all of us have the the humor thing where we just kind of want stuff to be goofy. I don't know why. I don't know why that's happened, but I think just because it's a little more fun, you know, yeah. it's just fun to work. If on it's something. not fun, what's the point? Yeah, I like I like games that have some kind of something fun or dumb. I've, going I've on. generally been of the opinion that everybody is way too serious about just about everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, everyone just needs to chill the fuck out. <laughs> so that's that's I think that definitely comes. I through. didn't do well in law school for this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think the place where to me from the outside looking at the stuff that that we make the the way things are animated, especially historically mm-hmm. through the programmatic animation, um, but even now with the with the newer mm-hmm. with like the frame the reference that Sam does, um, there's there's an inherent goofiness mm-hmm. in every animated thing that happens in all of the games that we've made. Yeah. Everything should be having a good time. It's basically yeah, I was say, yeah. yeah. Everything. Everything is having a good time. Like it doesn't matter if it's a lever. It doesn't matter if it's a lever. <laughs> that lever is and it was even shit like we saw was it like last week there was a quote unquote bug in level head where the 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 switch, the switch that had like is a lever, you know, that's mm-hmm. got a face at the end of it. Because yeah. of course it does. Because of course it does. Because it's got a personality. It could, if it was flipped over, it could be peeking out from behind a hidden area. So there's just, <laughs> so just like a little, just like a little head, head <laughs> just like looking out. It's and, blinking. And I believe we kept it, right? Yeah. Yeah, because like yeah, our QA reported that. It's so I'm hilarious. Like, yeah. It adds personality. It's fucking yeah. hilarious. So yeah, we should keep that, not get yeah. rid of it. Um, yeah. So that, I think I would agree that it's, it's about the personality of. Yeah, things. I like injecting all that in there. I think that's that's tons of fun. And then on the on the mechanical side, I, th- I mean, I think we – I don't know. I don't know if there's any design things particular. I tend to enjoy things that have a lot of systems, like interacting mm-hmm. – or systems that interact with each other in interesting ways. Um, there, well, we've we've only really been able to get into that in the last – like with Levelhead actually. I mean, yeah. had a little bit, but it wasn't very much of a sim, truthfully. Like everything kind of – Left yeah, off screen, but there, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes of like automatic generation of terrain and right. of the spawn rates of things, and all the recipes are automatically generated and stuff. So like, there's a lot of of interesting work that went into making that feel like it's shallow, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, uh, but yeah, I I have I I enjoy creating these like stat systems and progression right. systems and loops and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, so I know for me when it comes to, to solving problems, I like the ones that feel. I always like to solve a problem in a way that feels like I've done it in a general way mm. where, I, where I don't feel like I've solved a problem. I feel like I've solved every problem of a certain type, you know? Mm. And then the next time you come across a similar problem, you're like, shit, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't cover this case. Yeah. And that is true. <laughs> yep. yeah, that is definitely true. But, but, it's, but just as often I'm like, Ooh, I can just tweak this a little bit and now I'll also cover this case. Right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and now you're a lot closer. Yeah. So I liked, I like that satisfaction of, of trying to, trying to find the general form of a specific problem and then solving that. And and then and then and then in the future now taking specific problems and seeing if I can fit them back into some generic mm-hmm. solution that I have because uh, often it's 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 one of those kind of funny things about generic solutions which is people often say don't do them and I think that's often very good advice uh, but one of the one of the big reasons to not do it is because it's often very hard even if you actually have generically solved a specific problem it's sometimes really hard to realize you've done that because when you go mm-hmm. to like look at the details of a new specific problem you have to basically like 
you have to kind of re-understand it in this very – Yeah, you have to wrap it in the previous song. Yeah, you have to solution, be able to wrap it in that right. thing. And, and that, that's actually a really hard step yeah. to take. Um, so that often you don't even realize you've solved a problem already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say there was, there was a time after Crashlands when we were working on some new game concepts where we went really deep down the well of trying to develop a lot more generic tooling for handling like mm-hmm. animations and, you know, and all kinds of stuff. And none of them really panned out. Mm-mm. They were very cool, though. They were cool, but they were so big. Yeah. Like, we had this weird thing called Buffy, which is this, this – Oh, yeah. The Buffy very, debuff manager. Yeah. So the idea was like – in Crash Games, we have buffs and debuffs. Um, it would be they're cool. super limited, though. Yeah, they're very limited. It would be cool if we had a, a system that could just do buffs and debuffs. And the but you op- also take it to the really generic console. Like, so literally anything now can be a buff. Or anything can be a buff. Anything can have a buff. Anything, whatever. Yeah, the goal is basically – if I set something on fire, I want to be able to have it set everything else on fire. Yep. Everything else. Yeah. But then there's this extra layer, which the generic system doesn't handle, which is like, well, if something is on fire, what happens to yep. it? Right. Because yep. like the generic system can say that's on fire and it can even like put it on put, fire, put particles on there mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, but it's still up to the game now to the rock, now know. Now the rock's like, okay, I'm on fire. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Or actually, the rock doesn't even know it's on fire. Yep. You know? Now something has to tell the rock it's on fire. Like, hey, buddy, you're on fire. And it's like, oh, oh, oh am I? <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah. And so we actually developed this whole system. It's cool. Uh, yeah, it's cool. We were, we're using it not, in Scuffle Buddies. I think, again, it. I think a big part of it is, is Scuffle Buddies in particular had a weird vision problem. We couldn't figure out. Yeah. The hell well, I think we were, we were making it. actually. It wasn't even that. It was that we were making generic solutions to problems we didn't have yet. Correct. Right? Yes. Because we didn't. Even, we didn't even have a specific implement. Like we problem. didn't even know why we wanted we even, to set everything on fire. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it seemed like it'd be good. <laughs> we just thought it'd be awesome to be able to set yeah. things on fire, which is true, and it was awesome. Yep. It's cool. But uh, but yeah, but it's if you don't even have a problem yet, you definitely should not be making general. Yeah. Solutions. Well, and this is I don't I don't know how to explain this, but. I feel like there's there's different kinds of feedback and different kinds of problems that you come across in games. And there's there's the one that's I think the most common is wouldn't it be cool if mm-hmm. and then something. Uh and the answer is always yes. Like yes, that would, that awesome. would be cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. But what are the implications of that? Like what if everything is on fire now? That's cool. Mm-hmm. But it's only cool if it means something. Yeah, it has to mean something. Yeah. So if you don't have the systems yet for it to mean something, then just like just don't bother with it. Yeah, don't yeah worry about you can it. just table it. You know. So we've yeah. got a bunch of those ideas for Levelhead that are still tabled, just sitting around waiting until we get other pieces in place where we can have everything start making sense. Yeah. So. There's there's the wouldn't it be cool if and wouldn't it be nice if yes. those are the two <laughs> two big ones. Uh, so anyway, all right. Uh, next question comes from Gua. I'm a fan of under promise and over deliver. What do Correct. you think about this rule? And yeah. more specifically, do you think that making a sexy trailer and screenshots for the game's store page kind of goes against this rule nope. and may set up expectations that are too high? I don't think so. So I think I I agree with the rule and disagree with the conclusion related to promo. I disagree with the rule. So go ahead. You shoot first. So, okay. So the rule being under promise and over deliver. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't mean like way under, under promise and way over deliver. Uh, this basically means that uh, because because your success is defined by how your community feels mm-hmm. um, then unless you are uh, a very large company or one that is just generally beloved then you won't get away with you, shit you will not get away with anything <laughs> yeah and so That's very true so your best i mean your best case scenario is, is of course to to deliver exactly what you promise mm mm-hmm. But uh, but realistically, that prevents you from doing some things because you never quite know for sure how things are going to work out. 
There's a reason we don't have a roadmap, for yeah. example. Yeah. And, there, and there's also a reason that we don't say what's coming up in the next patch until we know it's in the next patch, right? Mm-hmm. So we actually – we basically do something – we do a little bit of under-promising and over-delivering because we also deliver stuff we don't even talk about, right? Yeah. Uh, but we try to get close to like to basically – Delivering what we're going to promise, but we have sort of – we have just-in-time delivery of, yep. of our promises, right? Um, and so so that that can work out. But but I think – to me, this is a question of like which side do you err on? Mm-hmm. And I think the the one that we err on is basically saying until we know for sure that something is going to happen, we're very careful about talking about it. Yeah, yeah I'd say it's just promise and deliver. Yeah. That, again, that's, a, that's right. your best-case scenario. But I, I mean, yes. But so, – mm. It seems that the market really rewards people who dramatically overpromise, and then whatever happens after that, nobody cares. You know what I mean? But only certain people, which I think is the note that Adam's making, right? Yeah. There's certain either if you're part of a franchise that's beloved or a, a studio that's been around for just ages, then I think you can 100 percent get away with that. Sort or you of get, or you get enough back. Well, depends, I, what I do you mean by get away with it? I mean not do what was promised. That's what I mean. Because. Because I mean, I like I think No Man's Sky is the perfect. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's but, the perfect. But example. think of how much fucking backing that game had from a market. Because sure, we could say it's No Man's Sky, but really that was a Sony game. Yeah. Yes. You know? That wasn't. What's the name of the company? I don't even remember. Hello, Hello Games. Hello Games. That wasn't a Hello Games game at that point. That was a Sony game, and Sony can sell anything because mm-hmm. they have enough market power. They have enough awareness. They have enough everything. Right. That they can they can make a dud personally and sell it, and it's and they can get away with mm-hmm. it, right? So I think I think like I get what you're saying, but I don't think that's quite right because if 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 we were making a game that was 100 percent just backed by Sony or Microsoft or some huge entity, right? Then we could also get away with anything. True, it's just true. Like once once you're big enough, you actually can't. But I guess but think about the prisoner's dilemma here, which is like in a market with thousands of games coming out where everybody is over promising. If you only just say like, "Hey, here's what my game is," uh, mm-hmm. and you and you don't blow it up, then nobody's gonna look. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think there's a there's an interesting. Which I'm not I'm not advocating for lying. No, but here's the thing: just saying, there's, a clear, thing there's a clear there's a clear. people aren't gonna look anyway. You know what I mean? It doesn't actually help to over to overpromise and like really hype the thing up that you're doing because you'll be caught out in the lie if, yeah, yeah, if I, anybody even notices anyway. Yeah, I think the general point though is you should never underpromise because underpromising represents a lack of understanding about marketing and how to sell the fuck out of your game. Yeah. Um, you should, you should be not intentionally under You should, you should be, actually, be trying not to overpromise. Yes, definitely. That's what you're doing. You should definitely do that. Um but I think there's there's a broader point here which is what I was trying to get to which is that uh the idea that you can effectively communicate what your game is about before bullshit. someone has played it is yeah. nonsense, which is why the art is so important, uh, yep. which is why those like that little tiny description on your store page, which is why the trailer is required. And it's also, also why cinematics have any value at all. Yes. Everybody knows that cinematics aren't what the game is. Correct. But you're trying to convey how much effort you put into the game and how and much look you thought how about fucking stuff. Cool what you're conveying is. is this is what it feels like to yep, play yeah. this game. And I think the interesting point there is that in that context, this idea of of underpromising, I think, is extremely yeah, I should not do bad that. because the reality is that by using words to describe your game, you are under promising your game. Yep, hundred percent. By doing anything aside from like a well, very well rounded uh, marketing approach that takes into account a bunch of different ways in which you could you can communicate to someone about your game, you are under promising your game because there's almost no way, even if it's a really simple game, um, there's almost no way to actually communicate to a person what it is like to play right. and experience and that risk, game unless until you are playing. outright lying. Then you Correct. are always under promising yes. when it comes to marketing. Yes. I mean, like, so for people who have played Level Head, 
go read the damn Steam store description for that game. Yeah, and try to fit that into your experience. Yeah. I can't I cannot put it into 150 <laughs> words like yeah. what how this game is going to work for you. Like if you play a challenging for, campaign, it's yeah. fun. What the, what is that mean? <laughs> You're like, going to have a great time. Yeah. If you've played it for some people play the game for like 400 hours. Does that 150 word description do any kind does of justice that, for it? Does that encapsulate you your know? whole experience? Yeah, does yeah. it capture what it feels like to work your ass off for 12 hours making yeah, no. a spectacular level and then getting out and then having other human beings play it and then yeah, talk I think, to you about it. I think the reality it. is that the reason why influencers and streamers and stuff are so important and so useful in this context is because they're the only people who can represent what the actual game feels like to play yeah. to someone who's curious about to what it feels like to play. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the only people who are not able to like overpromise your game are the people who just are streaming it or YouTubing it. And so I think that's why probably those people as far as market fit goes like just works so well for selling games. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There's also that extra layer of the the game experience is the meeting of the game and the person. Yep. Right. And so there's gonna be there's gonna be a, a faction of people who play your game who do feel let down by it. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, like, I mean, Lovelight has refunds. Crashlands has refunds. Like yeah, people buy it and they're like, "This is a guy. Like, really like just it. refund it." Because mm-hmm. um, not everything's for everyone, and that's also mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, I, I think the underpromise over deliver philosophy works well with uh, like a client. Yeah, it works well you know when I mean? you know the parameters. Yeah, it's like a great you, rule in a job, right? Yeah, your boss is like, I need this thing. And you're like, mm, it's probably going to take me three or four days. And then six minutes later, you're like, it's done. <laughs> and they're like, shit, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You know, that's that's nice because mm-hmm. there's a clear there's a clear end point that you have yep. to get to and a clear resource, which is time. And you can just deliver that thing and and you clearly blew it out of the water, right? But with a game, yeah, it's – I guess this is actually – this is kind of the same idea of the mistake people make when they think that being a pessimist uh, is a viable approach to life, mm-hmm. right? Which isn't to say that being an optimist is either, right? But It's more viable. But it's though. more viable because being a pessimist is basically you having already decided that you have failed. Yes. And then just being happy when you didn't, right? And and the idea – the idea as a coping strategy there is that then – then because you've already accepted failure, like the only – everything can only go up from here, right? And the problem with having already accepted failure is that you're going to fail more often. Correct. Uh, and it's the same deal with this with this concept where we take it in the sense that we're talking about now um, of like trying to deliver a product, right? Then if if by under-promising, you basically just mean be pessimistic, right? And you basically yeah. mean uh, do everything in your power to not – the question here is like, what does this even mean in this context? Like, what what is it you think you're doing when you're when you're trying to put a trailer together, for example, that doesn't overpromise, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the question is, what is it? What yeah, what actually? What is the action you're taking here to to mm-hmm. try to make that happen? I've seen plenty of trailers that underpromise. I mean, because as we're saying though, like every, they all every, they all they do. All but I think there's a clear spectrum. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, but the question of like if you're if you're just like really sort of rabidly trying to avoid overpromising, right? I think what is it that you do? I think that is not a thing you should be concerned about. Honestly, as long as all you the do, problems, as, as long as you don't misrepresent yeah, what's don't in misrepresent the game, game, then it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if like so, and we, we do this with uh, so we make jokes about stuff with something like like Levelhead, where it's like, okay, yeah, there's a hundred plus, or you might, you might say something like with uh, Crashlands, we had four hundred thirty recipes in the game, right? which is a shitload of recipes, but also something that from a context standpoint, people are, people just understand the number and that's about the extent of it. Yeah. It's a lot, right? But you might make a joke about how there's like, there's 24, there's even more than 24 recipes in the game and then you show the number on screen, right? And so it's this, the push-pull between that under-promise, over-deliver sort of thing that you can kind of set up as a little fun joke yeah, for yeah. yourself. But I think in general, 
do not be concerned about overpromising. The thing you should be concerned about is the fact that people don't have the context to understand what you're selling. Yeah. And which means that generally you're gonna be you just fighting an uphill battle as far as getting people to understand what the fuck you're. Well, even it actually, <laughs> but yeah, because what it, what it guarantees actually is that you will have overpromised to some people and underpromised to others and overdelivered to some and underdelivered to others. Hundred percent because. That that whole concept is a relative one of what somebody thought was going to happen versus what happened, right? And you could try to get around this with you know, like a demo. But the yep. funny thing is there's the whole rest of the game after the demo is done. So maybe the demo yep. under delivers. Yeah. Yep. Which is actually or maybe traditionally it, maybe a problem. It over, yeah. Or maybe the demo over promises because yep. people think there's going to be a lot more once they – And that's just kind of it. Like yeah. You'll buy a full game and you buy, and you buy it and then they're just like, all right, here's the credits and then it's over now. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because that was everything. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I think it's a it's it's not as simple as so actually yeah, it's so stop making it about over promising or under promising, etc. And start making about trying to capture the actual essence of the gameplay experience in your marketing materials. Knowing that you can't, but knowing that you can't try to get cl- as close as yeah, possible as close given the constraints of you know 150 words or, or yeah, whatever. And and just be aware, you're like you you want to err on the side towards like capturing the best because the other thing too is like you don't want to try to capture like what a person who doesn't like the game is going to experience like why would you do that mm-hmm. well, you there's a reason why trailers don't show people like having a bad time well, or or just kind of like stumbling through any menus the tutorial yeah <laughs> exactly yeah you show the highlights yeah you, you show the part of the game that you think makes the game great and that yeah. and again that the, the people who actually are going to enjoy the game are going to have a great experience with. Yeah. You don't need to show them the stuff that they're going to find or know. You don't like that doesn't make any sense. Oh man, probably the best version of this is the This Is Eve trailer. Yeah. Which is like two minutes of just super intense epic music and actual uh, voice recordings of players of the game, like doing battles and doing all kinds of stuff. And the whole thing is like really just badass and intense. Um, and when you talk to actual Eve players and they reflect on that trailer, they're like, yeah, that pretty much. That pretty much sums it up, like how it's like to play that game. But then when you play, well, then at the very end of the trailer, there's like a 10 second, like rapid sort of series of snapshots of the actual gameplay, which is just a fuckload of menus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I like to imagine that they could have also ended that ended that trailer with another just like 10 minute thing of like the new player experience. Right. Which is literally just. You're just like sitting there for a long time. You're like reading a lot of tiny text yeah. and yep. trying and to figure like, out what to do. You're like, like, you need to like hold Q and click on that thing to have your yeah. ship go. <laughs> right. And then you do it and then it's like your ship is moving slow as shit. And you're just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. Yes. Is that's, that, but that's the important thing to realize is that that's, that is not the – It's not the takeaway. That's not the takeaway. It's also not the experience that people have that they care about, right? That's part of the that's, total that's experience. That's the soup. That's yes. the soup. You know, it's not the meat in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and so there's – but is that so? Is that under you know? Is that is that not representing? Well, yeah, because yeah, the thing is, in this context, you, you can go either way. Because the question is, are you representing the the, the minute to minute gameplay experience? Because in that case, the only way that you could possibly do it is by having a let's play video that covers the entire game. Yeah. I think what you're or really, are you trying to convey for the people who have a great time with this game specifically? Trying to convey the reason they play it. The reason they play it. Okay. If you're trying to convey that, then you're not actually lying, and they're they're and you're not misrepresenting. Um, Especially because these are actual recordings of the people playing yeah, that case, the yeah. game, and there's still going to be a people, a group of people who believe that you have misled them. Um, and in in some ways, they're they're 100 correct, right? Because advertising has to be misleading because it's capturing it's capturing the best parts and, of stuff. Well, it's not even that; it's that you can't capture the entirety of the yeah. thing in your marketing materials. So well, the, I think you have not, to capture some subset. Well, I think the note there is it's not misleading. It's misleading. It sort of implies some. Uh, 
some intentionality on, on the fact that it's more so just the fact that the communication system is limited, right? Which is so if you got to boil down a game that you can play literally indefinitely, yeah. Into well, yeah, a it's, it's, it's thirty going second to be, trailer. It's going to be a lie in the sense of lossy. the word. Yeah, so it's going to be a lie in the sense of the word that just a JPEG, the full truth isn't in a there. JPEG is a lie in the yeah, same way because exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's lossy. So you know, like you're missing some pixels, but it's about the same thing. Whatever. Yeah. So anyway, marketing's hard. <laughs> That's all the time we have for this week. That's good. Let's get out of here. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to everything. And of course, go to meet.bscotch.net to get your Shenanicon tickets. We'll get them see. now, or you might get them never. Mm-hmm. That's right. They're limited. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.